how exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes, call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays, it's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People. With Sima Lieberman, Everyday People, talking about race every week. Different everyday people talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate. It'll heal ya. Then, at noon, stick around. Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view. Talking about all things from his perspective. Then, on Thursdays, from 8 to 10... It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also the IC Podcast. That's the Imprint City Podcast coming soon. MutinyRadio.fm. New shows. You can have one too. Contact director at MutinyRadio.fm to find out more details. Check us out at mutinyradio.fm. Yeah. 
about as far as I got, reading my U.S. history textbook. Well, I got the history of the ruling class. I got the history of the generals and the industrialists and the presidents who didn't get caught. How about you? I got the history of the people who owned the wealth of the country, but none of the history of the people that created it. You know, 
So when I went out to get my first job, I went out armed with somebody else's class background. They never gave me any tools to understand or to begin to control the condition of my labor. And that was deliberate, wasn't it? Huh? They didn't want me to know this. They didn't, that's why this stuff isn't taught in the history books. That we're not supposed to know it. You understand that? No. If I wanted a true history of where I came from as a member of the working class, I had to go to my elders. Many of them, their best working years before pensions or social security, gave their whole lives to the mines, to the wheat harvest, to the logging camps, to the railroad, got nothing for it, just fetched up on the skids, living on short money, mostly drunk all the time. But they led those extraordinary lives that can never be lived again. And in the living of them, they gave me a history that is more profound, more beautiful, more powerful, more passionate, and ultimately more useful than the best damn history book I ever read. And I've said so often before, the long memory is the most radical idea in America. Sing a song I made up for one of those. I never met him. There's one flop hotel left in Spokane, Washington called the Clem Hotel. I'd walk through the parking lot there on my way to the park. An old man sitting up there in the window, grimy window, face pale like a mask of death, gazing down at the parking lot, perfectly motionless. I'd make a point of going through there every day and I'd wave at him. Finally I got him so he'd at least lift his hand and wave a little bit. I went to the fellow at the desk in the hotel and I said, I want to meet that man. He said, he won't let you into his room. He's afraid of the young jack rollers. He's afraid of the young ones on the street. They'll knock you down for your little bit of pension money and for your little bit of VA, your food stamps. So he's got a spike ball handle behind the door and he won't let anybody come in there, but then he'll attack you. Well, I made this song for him anyway. I, I don't know if it's his whole story. It's not gonna be mine. I sure hope it's not gonna be yours. Poem, a poem I was gifted with. Like he promised me All he'll 
south of the border Like the pistol shines The flowers come to bloom beside the Rio Grande They find a job that pays below the living wage They'll wither in the sun before they come of age South of the border It's like Love Canal Maquiladora plants pollute the Rio Grande And their only care is for the profits there You will soon be like their other lovers everywhere Adventures bold Back in the times when Pancho Villa Hans Zapata rolled Your lover is a gringo From a northern land He will promise you Like he promised me All he'll ever give you Is a one night stand See how he's treated me And good morning, mutineers. This is the B, and we're coming at you from Mutiny Radio like we do every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Labor news, opinion, commentary, history, by, for, and about working people and their movements. This is Labor and Love Radio, the show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a table, a seat at the table where you work, you're probably on the menu. I can guarantee it, actually. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. When I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Well, good morning, everybody. Got a nice show planned for you today. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in at mutinyradio.fm. To listen to us live. You probably know that if you're listening now. And then click the archives if you want to see <clears throat> past or archive shows or something you missed. Archives are also a podcast on iTunes. All right. Let's look right across here. We got the Marriott Hotel strike. What's going on with that? 
We've got labor notes. How are you organizing at your work? University of California workers strike for racial justice. We've got a poem by Vachel Lindsay, an important American poet. Being a socialist at work, what does that mean? A new book outlines it. The latest study shows that Medi-Cal for All would save the U.S. $5.1 trillion over 10 years. And still they keep lying to us and saying it doesn't work. Well, who doesn't it work for? It doesn't work for the drug companies and for the medical establishment. The people who get rich off the sickness of others. We got Radio Labor as always. Global Parliament of Labor to open in Copenhagen. And on and on. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pushed for a Green New Deal. What does that have to do with labor? Working class history. Rosa Parks. Trinidad strike. Mother Jones. Guy Debord. And on and on. This is Labor and Love Radio. Welcome. Let's see what we can play. We started there with, uh, well, the last one was Annie DeFranco and Feeney, pardon me, singing about the maquiladoras, those factories that are set up just across the border uh, in Mexico to take advantage of not only the, the easier laws and requirements in Mexico and the greater profit, you can pay your workers back-breaking low wages. And they also take advantage of proximity to the U.S. You just ship it right across the border. All right, well, let's see. How about tell it like it is? Tell it like it is, Mr. Trump. If you Congress, want tell it is. something to play with, go and find yourself a toy. Baby, my time is too expensive, and I'm not a little boy. Don't play with my heart, it makes me furious But if you want me to love you Then a baby I will Girl you know I will Tell it like it Don't be ashamed, let your conscience be your guide But I know deep down inside of me I believe you love me 
forget your foolish pride Life is too short to have sorrow Tomorrow You might as well Get what you want So go on and live Baby go on and live Tell it like it is I'm nothing to play with Go and find yourself a toy My time is too expensive and I'm not your little boy. Oh, this is the wonderful time of my life.
can't get in. I know it rain, you know it rain. Rain too long, all night long. Rain all day, rain all night. forever and ever until I leave this world.
Mr. Rosetta Tharp there. <clears throat> Couple of her big hits, That's All, gospel-based uh, blues. And then Didn't It Rain, if you uh, go online and check out the video, an absolutely amazing video of Sister Rosetta Tharp singing to a crowd of looks like young British teenagers, young people, at a railroad station. Didn't it rain? Before that, we had Aaron Neville with his hit, a great song, Tell It Like It Is. Sister Rosetta Tharp. <coughs> Excuse me. We um, missed the anniversary of her passing, October the 9th. Rosetta Tharp was very popular in the 30s and 40s, mixing gospel music and rhythm and blues, as you heard there. People have referred to her as the original soul sister, the godmother of rock and roll. She influenced early rock and roll musicians, including Little Richard, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis. She was a pioneer in her guitar technique. She was among the first recording artists to use heavy distortion on her electric guitar, presaging the rise of electric blues. Her guitar playing technique had a profound influence on the development of British blues in the 1960s, in particular, a European tour with Muddy Waters in 1963 with a stop in Manchester, is cited by prominent British guitarists Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Keith Richard. So yeah, Sister Rosetta Tharp. See, we had that's all. Let's see if we can find another one. No, we don't want to hear that's all again.
Okay, <clears throat> Sister Rosetta Tharp, some of her guitar work, one of the real pioneers, one of the real uh, seminal players uh, in the history of rhythm and blues as rhythm and blues transferred out of the church and out to the general public, later to become, you guessed it, rock and roll. Okay, let's move over to the labor beat now. Uh, this is the New York Times. Some Marriott strikes in, but San Francisco workers stay out. With a settlement in Hawaii, two-thirds of the almost 8,000 of the hotel giants workers who had walked out are back at work as one of the season's busiest, the travel's busiest seasons is underway. Wedding planner Lauren Carlson noticed that the incessant noise from the picket lines was gone. So this is going to be like one of those quote-unquote balanced presentations of the strike. We're going to hear about the tourists who are discomfited. When the settlement reached Tuesday for 2,700 workers at five resorts in Oahu and Maui. Only hotels in San Francisco and Chicago are still being picketed. <clears throat> After walkouts in 49 hotels in nine cities that began in September, the majority of the strikers, 7,700 people at 23 properties, we're in a dispute with Marriott International, the world's biggest hotel chain, which had net profits in 2017 of $1.37 billion. That's billion, y'all. Ms. Carson rearranged 15 to 20 dinners. She's a wedding planner. At venues that closed because of the strike. Royal Hawaiian, the Western Moana Surf Rider, Sheraton Princess Kaolani, Kaolani, Sheraton Waikiki, all in Honolulu, as well as the Sheraton Maui in Lahaina. We had one group that was about 35 people with only two days. We had to find somewhere that could accommodate them, she said. The couple received an apology from the Sheridan Waikiki, which also returned about $5,000 in deposits. Here's what's happening with the strike now. <clears throat> Negotiations are scheduled for Saturday, that's today, and Sunday in San Francisco between Marriott officials and Unite Here, the union representing 2000 500 workers who walked out on October 4th at the courtyard by Marriott. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm sorry. Uh, Marriott Downtown, the Marriott Marquis, the Marriott Union Square, the Palace Hotel, the St. Regis, the W, and the Weston St. Francis. 
It's hard to predict, union spokesman Rachel Gumpert said, but the holidays are coming and we're hopeful we'll see some movement this weekend. A Marriott spokesman, Connie Kim, wouldn't address whether bookings had been affected by the strike, but said the hotels remain open and that 32 other Marriott managed properties in the San Francisco area were not involved in labor disputes. The union members got a boost recently when the San Francisco Culinary Bartenders and Service Employees Welfare Fund said it would continue the work of the strikers' health care benefits for December and January if necessary. More than 100 San Francisco workers have been arrested and accused of blocking streets. A hundred people willing to get arrested. That's what it's going to take, you guys. That's what it's going to take. It always takes that. It's never easy, huh? In Chicago, a citywide strike that started in September didn't focus on any particular employer, but at its peak affected 26 hotels in a dispute over health care coverage. Always, always front and center, health care coverage. In a minute, we'll go skip ahead to see what it would be under Medicare for All. There, workers in Chicago, the Cambria Hotel Chicago Magnificent Mile remain on strike while United here reached a deal with the other hotels. And what's the dispute about? You know what it's about. Health care coverage and wages. Living in San Francisco on 40000 a year? Can't do it. Can't do it if you got any kind of family or kids. Or if you want to have uh, even a little apartment. San Francisco workers say that the wages haven't kept up with the cost of living in the Bay Area. Median income for its employees was 44000 when the previous contract expired. The housekeepers also want better protection from sexual harassment and more time to clean the rooms that aren't serviced daily as part of Marriott's Make a Green Choice program, which offers incentives to guests who forego daily housekeeping. Now, Marriott, there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. Marriott is saying that's the way to stay green. But what it really means is the workers have less work to do. Some of their work has been cut. All the contracts so far that have been signed cover job security, worker involvement in the use of technology, and a reduction in workload for housekeepers. Now, does that mean they have less work to do in the same time? Although Hawaii doesn't have the Make a Green Choice program, the room quota for housekeepers there was reduced by one room per day to 13 rooms at most of the hotels. The new contracts also mean that housekeepers will be provided with a silent panic button to summon help if they feel threatened 
in an effort to address sexual harassment. And in a move to address the effects of mass carceration on job seekers, those with minor nonviolent drug offenses will be able to hold union jobs. Okay, read it. It's going on right now. It's the New York Times headline, Some Marriott Strikes In, But San Francisco Workers Stay Out here and in one hotel in Chicago. Okay, so so the the labor meets the road, okay, in health care. Health care is at the center of the great, great majority of labor conflicts, health care, the price of it is rising and rising and rising because it's privatized. People are making money off sickness, off medication. This is an alternate article and it's about a study that shows Medi-Cal for all would save the U.S. 5.1 trillion over 10 years. That means it saves you that much money, all of us together. Medicare for All promises a system that is fairer, more efficient, and vastly less expensive than America's bloated, monopolized, overpriced, and underperforming private health insurance system. Confronting the question most commonly asked of the growing number of Americans who support replacing America's uniquely inefficient and immoral for-profit health system with Medi-Cal for all, Medicare for all, a new paper released Friday by researchers at the Political Economy Research Institute shows that financing a single-payer system would actually be quite simple given that it would cost significantly less than the status quo. We can get more and pay less. Let me uh, put in here that these studies, there have been several studies, similar studies, some of them by conservative libertarian think tanks that come to the same conclusion. It's easy to pay for something that costs less. Robert Pollan, economics professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and lead author of the new analysis, declared during a panel discussion at the Sanders Sanders Institute gathering. According to the 200-page analysis, the researchers found that based on 2017 U.S. healthcare expenditure figures, Cumulative savings for the first decade operating under Medi-Cal for All would be 5.1, you ready for this, trillion, equal to 2.1% of cumulative GDP. Most significant sources of savings from Medi-Cal for All, the researchers found, would come in the areas of pharmaceutical drug costs and administration. 
In a statement, Pollan says his research makes abundantly clear that the moral imperative of guaranteeing decent health care for all does not at all conflict with the goal of providing cost-effective health care. This will significantly improve health care outcomes for everyone living in the United States while also establishing effective cost controls throughout the health care system. Jeffrey Sachs of Columbia, Columbia University says, Medi-Cal for All promises a system that is fairer, more efficient, vastly less expensive. This is on Alternet. Easy to pay for something that costs less. So check it out. This is the problem of uh, the Republicans, the people who don't want this to happen. They keep saying it doesn't work. Now the newly eulogized George H.W. Bush, people are talking about, oh, what a wonderful man, his character, I don't know. Well, in comparison to Mr. Trump and his tribe, George Bush might be a little better. But it was Bush who continually said, if you want to know about uh, public health programs, they don't work. They don't work. He said this over and over again. Okay, so let's get some, how about uh, radio labor, huh? This is our worldwide labor report. Every week we review with radio labor what happened this week in the worldwide, international labor movement. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 30th, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the World Congress of the International Trade Union Confederation opens in Copenhagen on Sunday, December 2nd. The ILO's Global Wage Report shows a mother penalty and a father premium. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and singing. We're gonna roll, we're gonna roll, we're gonna roll the union This is Radio Labor. Often described as the Parliament of Labor, the Global Congress of the International Trade Union Confederation will take place from Sunday, December 2nd to Friday, December 7th in Copenhagen, Denmark. The ITUC is the body which represents national union centers such as the AFL-CIO in the United States and the Ghana Trades Union Congress. It represents more than 200 million workers who are members of 330 labor organizations in 163 countries. It holds a global congress every four years to set policy and action plans to address issues such as trade union and human rights, economics, equality, non-discrimination, and international solidarity. 
To find out more about the Congress, I talked to Sharon Burrow, the ITUC's General Secretary. Ms. Burrow, a trade union leader from Australia, was elected the ITUC's first female General Secretary in 2010. Since the theme of this year's Congress is Change the Rules, I began my conversation with Ms. Burrow by posing the questions, what rules and why do they have to be changed? Well, we live in a structured world. And the current economic model that has driven globalization is not working for working people. We have greater insecurity of work than at any time in our history, with more than three in five people in the informal economy, a sector where there is no rights, no minimum wage, no rule of law, no guarantees that people will actually be able to live with dignity so the dignity of work is totally absent. Even in the formal economy, more than half of our workers are now working every day in precarious work, often unsafe work, in the majority in low-paid jobs. We have a global wages slump, and people are feeling totally disempowered. We will release uh, polling at the Congress that shows that in fact less than 36% of people believe that their voices matter in politics. That means our democracy is at risk. So unless you have decent work, fundamental rights, the right to freedom of association, to organise, to bargain collectively, unless there's a flaw, that's a fair competition flaw with social protection, universal social protection, minimum living wages, evidence-based, and the right to organise and collectively bargain. People will not feel confident in the dignity of work, a future where work is secured. And of course, we then have the additional challenges of climate change and the vulnerability where we're already seeing the loss of lives and livelihoods. And of course, the transition that requires which makes for workers in certain industries, particularly fossil fuels, but even in related supply chain industries where energy must shift. The Congress will hold a number of sessions on particular issues. What are some of those issues? The Congress is actually structured with four pillars in mind. The Congress statement is written around a pillar that we will open with on Monday morning, which is peace, democracy and rights. So on Tuesday, it will be regulating economic power. Then you go to Wednesday, where we will look at the question of global shifts and just transitions, climate change. And then on the Thursday, we will uh, look at equality, the question front and centre for women, and the economic participation of women, the growth in jobs in the care sector that will allow women to participate and to indeed hold good jobs in education, health, childcare, aged care or other sectors of the economy as they choose. You can hear an extended version of my interview with Ms. Burrow on the Radio Labour website at www.radiolabour.net. A new report about wages around the world shows that women are still earning 20% less than men. Radio Labor's Seamarie Ainsborough reports. A new survey by the UN's International Labour Organization shows that global wage growth in 2017 fell to its lowest rate since the Great Recession of 2008. 
According to the ILO's Global Wage Report 2018-2019, wages are stagnating despite rising production, which means lower economic growth and living standards. Guy Ryder is the Director General of the ILO. He is the first unionist to lead the organization in its 99-year history. In an interview with UN News, he was asked about the report's findings. The report, which is about wages in the world, shows that the rate of growth of wages around the world is slowing down. We're down to the lowest rate of wage growth, 1.4%, since the 2008 global crisis. And I think this should be a source of worry. It means people's living standards are not increasing as much as we would like. It means that wages are still growing much less slowly than productivity, which means that there's been a transfer of income away from working people towards other sectors of the economy. And I think that has implications for demand. If you haven't got money in the pocket, you can't spend money. If you can't spend money, well, enterprises suffer, investment opportunities become more rare. So it is a worrying report. The main findings are worrying. One of the significant findings of the ILO report is that wages are rising much faster in the developing world than in economically advanced countries. Mr. Ryder was asked why this was happening. Beneath these totals, what we see, and it's uh, again a long-term trend, is that whilst wages are growing more slowly in the richer countries, the industrialized north if you wish, they're growing much more quickly in the emerging and developing countries. And this is not something new. This sort of process of double speed has been with us for a long time. And it does mean that we are seeing some degree, I don't want to exaggerate it, of convergence. That is to say wages in developing countries are increasing more quickly than those in the higher income countries. And that sounds like good news because we all want to see convergence around the world. But let's not exaggerate because the gaps are still very, very big. There's a sort of a slight movement together, but we're still a long way apart. And I think that we have to bear in mind that very often the level of wages in developing countries is simply not high enough for people to meet their basic needs. So we need to go a lot further than what we're seeing right now. Mr. Ryder was also asked about the report's finding on the gender pay gap. Actually, this is the first time we've really focused in on the gender pay gap, but we can give you some sort of historical trend. We estimate the world level. There's a lot of variation between countries, but the overall figure is 19%. That is to say that women doing the same job as men still get paid 19% less than the men. And this goes diametrically against this basic principle of equal pay for work of equal value, which has been in the, the constitution of the ILO for 100 years, and which figures also in the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. So this is perhaps the biggest single injustice in the world of work, and one where the international community has committed to action in the 2030 agenda, and where we hope that our report will pinpoint where we can make a difference. The Global Wage Report has a special section on what it calls the mother penalty and the father premium. Mr. Ryder was asked to explain these. One thing the figures show, and they show it very clearly, is that women in general are disadvantaged by comparison with men in terms of wages. But the moment that uh, women become mothers, that gap becomes greater. So there is just simply, the figures show this, if a woman becomes a mother, she suffers further in terms of wage comparability. And the opposite is true of, of fathers. If you compare a man who is a father with a man who is not, the one who is a father generally has a wage advantage. And that's where the fatherhood premium and the motherhood penalty come into play. And I think this can be explained by the way that we distribute the responsibilities of child care and child provision and family 
family provision around the world. I think the way out of this penalty and this dividend is to look at the, the care economy, to look at the way that we reconcile our working lives with our private and family responsibilities. Deep, socially rooted issues, but ones that need to be addressed. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the general strike in Greece over the union demand for the return of collective bargaining, the legislated end to the post office strike in Canada, which resulted in other unions taking over the posties picket lines, and a general strike in Colombia where it is dangerous just to be a union member. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Italian healthcare workers refused non-essential work last Friday as they pressed for an increase in funding to the healthcare system there. Unanimous support for the Black Friday strikes against Amazon were reported from Germany and Spain. Workers at an auto plant in the United Kingdom spontaneously walked off the job when cuts were announced. The Wildcat had 100% support. Nigerian healthcare workers occupied a teaching hospital and locked out management. They have not been paid since last May. A casino in Greece, which already owes its employees 5 million euros, was closed and barricaded by the workers when management imposed a reduction in both hours and in wages. In Sierra Leone, miners walked off the job after four union leaders were sacked for organizing an earlier wage and safety strike. And last week, Italian unions organized a strike at an American military base to demand that jobs reserved for the spouses of American soldiers be open to Italian workers. Our top working women's stories included coverage of how unions around the world are participating in a campaign to end gender violence and the high stress levels experienced by women doctors and dentists in New Zealand in comparison with their male comrades. The free health and safety newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the feeble apology offered by Samsung over the thousands of workers it has killed or made ill in its South Korean factories. The problems union have identified with the fund created by the Spanish government to compensate asbestos victims in that country and the implementation of new construction health and safety regulations for Palestinian builders in Israel. Currently, Labor Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. We're gonna roll, we're gonna roll, we're gonna roll the union We're gonna 
alternative international labor news you can use. Radio Labor will be reporting directly from the ITUC Congress in Copenhagen. Our daily Congress reports will be available on our website at www.radiolabor.net and on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. The fund created by the Spanish government to compensate asbestos victims in that country and the implementation of new construction, health and safety regulations for Palestinian builders in Israel. Currently, Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Start reporting for Radio Labor. We're gonna roll! We're gonna roll! Okay, roll the union on. Didn't get who sang it, but... That was Radio Labor. I want to um, leapfrog on one of the stories on Radio Labor, the one about the Samsung workers, November 23rd, 2018. That was about a week ago. Samsung admits fault over illnesses and deaths of workers. Let's hear it. The flip side of the new technological revolution, huh? Okay, Seoul, South Korea. See if we can get a video here. Samsung admits fault over illnesses and deaths. Okay, we'll just skip this part. Um, Samsung apologized Friday for illnesses and deaths of some of its workers. This is what your deaths, your worker deaths, come to. Apologies by Samsung. Let's listen. Samsung unveiled its new smartphone, the Galaxy Note 8, at a ceremony yesterday in New York. The company's top U.S. executive is speaking out for the first time since last year's botched rollout of the previous model. Dozens of people reported Samsung Note 7s overheated, melted, or exploded, prompting airline bans and a massive recall. The CEO of Samsung North America, Tim Baxter, spoke only to CBS this morning and assured us the problem has been fixed. So this is a, maybe hopefully for you, a phoenix from the ashes Mm -hmm. story, no pun intended. Take me back, if you would, lessons learned, what it was like getting the call and realizing the problem you had. Sure. Uh, I would say, um, without a doubt, Bill, it was uh, the most difficult 120 days of my career. Uh, You were dealing with a very fluid environment. Uh, You were dealing with safety concerns. And as an organization, we really pulled together and really guided ourselves around one simple thing. What's in the best interest of the consumer and consumer safety? What was the problem? 
Why were these phones igniting? Um, it was really two things, Bill. One, it was, um, it was both related to the battery. One was a supply uh, from one of our suppliers. The design of it um, did not properly uh, get executed. And the second one was actually in the process of ramping up their production. Um, they had some manufacturing issues. So those two sequential things created this double recall uh, or expanded recall that we uh, that we had to manage through well things were melting down uh, you appeared in a video to be clear the note 7 with the new battery is safe the battery cell issue is resolved and then those turned out to be a problem what did that do to your credibility no it was uh, it was uh, a um, it was a difficult experience. Um, I think the important piece, though, was to really reach out and be able to talk directly to the consumers. Uh, and Samsung owned that. We apologized. And we're continuing to learn from that and rebuild trust. But the most interesting part about this is I've had town halls. I've talked to dozens and dozens of consumers. We've held um, video chats to 10,000 people. The first question I always get, Bill, is when can I get the Note 8? The answer? Soon. The Galaxy Note 8. After the company unveiled its new phone yesterday, features include live messaging. So you and I uh, can take a selfie. Okay. All right. Here we okay. go. All right. <laughs> Hi, Gail and Nora. Oh, perfect. Right? Yeah. It animates messages as GIF files that can play on any phone. I'm going to launch my camera. Samsung also touts the phone's dual cameras, which allow users to soften the backgrounds of their photos. And the 6.3-inch screen can accommodate multiple programs running side by side. Gives me the calendar. It gives me the phone. I can just make a call, and I can uh, continue to multitask. I can look at this guy here. He's, he looks like, is that an iPhone? Yeah. Baxter admits the competitive environment is intense. How you doing? Good, thanks. That's your chance. You can convince him he's got the wrong phone. <laughs> I should have. That's right. Apple is expected to announce a new version of the iPhone next month, and Baxter says both companies will be targeting the more than 50 million Americans who become eligible for phone upgrades this fall. We're giving consumers choices, and they're going to have the opportunity to get the best from both brands, right. and, uh, and that's pretty exciting. Samsung expresses confidence that its battery problems are in the past. After last year's debacle, it added a new eight-point battery safety check with various tests, visual inspections, and x-rays. And while this is the first Note phone to come out since then, the company did roll out new versions of its Galaxy S line in the spring, helping Samsung regain the top spot in the global smartphone market. Is there any hint of a, of a lump in your chest as the 8 goes out, it ships out around the world, hoping that history doesn't repeat here. You know, we, we learned a lot as we went through. We implemented a number of new processes, not only the eight-point battery, but we established a forensic lab in Dallas so we can get on top of any issues that, uh, that occurred. Any of those lumps went away with the launch of the Galaxy S8, where we have shipped over 20 million devices without an incident and we'll build upon that platform with the Note 8. So I feel much better coming into this launch.
Samsung is taking presale orders starting today. It starts around 930 bucks. The company says it won't be available until middle of next month. And previous owners of the Note 7, you get a discount trading in your current. I like phone. how he says the company owned it. And Samsung sells more phones than iPhone. We're all sitting right with iPhones. That feature is very cool. Yeah. Okay, now let's read the flip side of that. Okay, what, what you heard was Samsung making excuses for the uh, phones that were blowing up. Okay, here's the flip side of that upbeat Samsung commercial. Samsung Electronics apologized Friday for illness and deaths of some of its workers saying it failed to create a safe working environment as computer chip and display factories. The announcement by the South Korean technology giant came weeks after the company and a group representing ailing Samsung workers agreed to accept compensation terms suggested by a mediator and end the highly publicized standoff had went on for more than a decade. Neither CBS News nor the president of Samsung, of course, in this commercial that we just heard, brought this up. The company failed to sufficiently manage health threats. As detailed in Associated Press reporting over the past decade, dozens of employees who worked there have experienced grave illnesses such as leukemia and brain tumors. We offer sincere apology to our workers who have suffered with illness and their families, Kim said, cutting a deal and loosely admitting to lapses in safety standards. Samsung has yet to fully acknowledge its workplace environment as the direct cause of the illness. Okay. This is what companies always do. They split hairs. They try to wiggle out of it. They put the blame on the people who are sick. The standoff began in 2007 when taxi driver Huang Sang-yi refused to accept a settlement after his 23-year-old daughter died of leukemia after working at a Samsung factory. Huang's efforts to clarify the cause of Yumi's death and hold Samsung responsible for problems related to working conditions galvanized a broader movement to hold businesses and the government accountable for safety lapses in the chip and display injuries industries, which use huge amounts of chemicals. Wang said at a news conference, no apology would be enough when considering the deception and humiliation we experienced from Samsung over the past 11 years. According to the settlement, Samsung will compensate for various illnesses of employees who have worked at its chip and LCD factory since 1984 including as much as $151,000 or $132,000 for
for leukemia. The compensation also covers miscarriages and congenital illnesses of the workers' children, such as child cancer. So, see, here's the flip side of this great new world of technology. Every day on every and every medium that comes into you, <clears throat> people are talking about their cool new phones and all the things they can do with them. It's rare that Samson talks about the phones that exploded, and they certainly didn't talk on camera about their workers. <clears throat> All right, let's get some songs in here. A pause is a good li list. Here's the boss. I thought I heard the captain say, pay me my money down. Tomorrow is our sailing day. Pay me my money down.
yo trabajo en el hotel Y el patrón tiene welfare Mi trabajo le da el dinero Para que coma muy bien Me dice el muy embustero Que ya más no puede pagar Por eso organizamos nuestra fuerza laboral para defender la dignidad y proteger el bienestar es nuestra unión la que nos da
tell you It's not like I thought it would be It's hell to earn a living on a VDD When you think of union, what comes to your mind? A guy driving a truck, working the line But if you ever spent hours behind a DDT You know no one needs a union more than me Eyes are aching, but now I can see It's hell to earn a living on a VDT I tell you it's not what I thought it would be It's hell to earn a living on a VDT How many of you have uh, ever worked in a factory? <laughs> How many of you have ever seen a factory? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, people say the factories are uh, factories are disappearing. I think they're just moving out of town, way out of town. That is wherever uh, wherever uh, wages are uh, twenty-five cents an hour. Because, you know, all of the stuff that, uh, everything here was made somewhere, probably in a factory, unless God made it. And, uh, um, so, uh, there have been factories in America, and Vachel Lindsay wrote this song about factories around World War One. He wrote the, this poem, we set it to music. one more poem for you um, a famous actually very famous poem by a, a well-known poet named Sylvia Plath and it has to do with the uh, the male principle um, 
Daddy, you bastard, I'm through. Here it is. Sylvia Plath. Daddy. You do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or hachoo. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time, marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe big as a Frisco seal and a head in the freakish Atlantic where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you, ach du, in the German tongue in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common. My Polak friend says there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Eeh, 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 eeh. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you. And the language obscene, an engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck and my tarok pack and my tarok pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo and your neat moustache and your Aryan eye, bright blue. Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you, not God but a swastika, so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist, the boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, in the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a Mein Kampf look and a love of the rack and the screw, and I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root, the voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years, if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. Sylvia Plath there with her poem, Daddy about the patriarchy and about its uh, 
inevitable form, fascism. And before that, we had Tully Kupfenberg reading the factory window song. Why are the factory windows always broken? Someone's always throwing bricks through them. Something is rotten in Denmark, I think. Tom Jurovich, before that, with VDT, the Video Terminal Workers. He needs a union more than anybody working on the VDT. Francisco Herrera, trabajo en el hotel. I work in the hotel. And the union will protect us. And Bruce Springsteen with his worker song, Pay Me My Money Down, uh, evidently derived from songs sung by workers in Savannah, Georgia, dock workers in the Georgia, the Georgia docks. University of California workers strike for racial justice. University workers across California hit the streets October 23rd to 25th. It's a while ago. And their latest strike aimed at confronting racism in the state's higher education system. A longer strike could be ahead, maybe to begin as soon as this week. Like Malcolm X said, by any means necessary, said bargaining committee member Luster Howard, a truck driver at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. University of California is the state's third largest employer with the AFSCME Local 3299 representing 24,000 patient care and service workers across 10 campuses and five university hospitals. Bargaining between the university and AFSCME reached impasse last month of last year. They've been in mediation ever since. They struck for three days in May. Many classes were canceled or postponed. You can't have a university without these people without the workers, the people who support the students and the professors with their work. Anyway, let's keep our eye on that. We'll have to check that one out. And Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez push for a Green New Deal is not just good policy, it's political genius. This is in these times. She hasn't been sworn in yet as a representative in Congress, but she's already making waves in Washington, D.C. She was demonstrating outside the offices of Nancy Pelosi with a mandate to draft legislation for a bold Green New Deal to tackle climate change by 2020. It is not a cautious policy proposal. It involves a massive public works program with the goal of radically overhauling the United States infrastructure to produce 100% renewable energy within 10 years. 
It also includes ambitious proposals for eliminating poverty and significantly decreasing economic inequality through policies like a federal jobs guarantee and a universal basic income. Here, here. Passing legislation of this magnitude will be a massive undertaking. Beyond the policy rationale, the push for a Green New Deal is also smart politics. The representative-elect has quickly become a leading figure for populist Democrats who are advocating a far more radical approach to policymaking than the incrementalism typically seen in Congress. This was one of the problems with passing... Uh, Passing on Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi is a parliamentarian who goes little by little. See how Ocasio Cortez. We'll watch her and see how she's doing. Working class history. On this day, 1 December 1955. Rosa Parks refused her bus driver's order that she give up her seat in the colored section to a white passenger after the white section was filled. What has this got to do with working people? Who rides the buses? If you can afford to have a nice car, you don't ride the bus. It's working people who ride the buses and take public transportation. While she was not the first to do so, there had been other actions in uh, Louisville, Kentucky and other places earlier. Her act triggered a widespread bus boycott and gave added impetus to the civil rights movement. African-American people all over the South were saying, this is enough. On this day, 1 December, December 19th, 1919, during a strike by dock workers in Trinidad and Tobago, strikers attacked working warehouses, ran off the scabs, and marched on the city. Within days, the strike was general, and the colonial regime was on its knees. On this day, 30 November 1930, Mother Jones died in Maryland one of the women who helped found the revolutionary industrial workers of the world. On this day, 30 November 1966, Barbados declared independence from Britain. On this day, 30 November 1994, Guy Debord committed suicide, the inventor of the socialist Situationist International with a seminal book called Society of the Spectacle, which kind of took Marxist philosophy and brought it into the new world of the spectacle. On this day in 29 November, the Sand Creek Massacre took place where U.S. troops attacked the peaceful gathering of Cheyenne and Arapaho people, camped under a U.S. flag. 
soldiers butchered up to 170 unarmed men, women, and children, torturing them and scalping and mutilating the victims and cutting out women's genitals and attaching them to their hats. Only nine of the 900 attackers were killed. The local newspaper praised the brilliant feat of arms and stated that the soldiers had covered themselves with glory. Okay, well, we always come back to our history. And as long as we repress it and don't talk about it, the worse it gets. Let's play a little George Carlin on our way out of here. God bless America. Let's hear God bless America. We also got taking off your hat, swearing on the Bible. Let's hear God bless America. Here's another slogan. Here's another slogan you run into all the time. God bless America. Once again, respectfully, I say to myself, what the fuck does that mean? God bless America? Is that a request? Is that a demand? Is that a suggestion? Politicians say it at the end of every speech, as if it were some sort of verbal tick that they can't get rid of. God bless you and God bless America. God bless you and God bless America. I guess they figure if they leave it out, someone's gonna think they're bad Americans. Let me tell you a little secret about God, folks. God does not give a flying fuck about America, okay? He doesn't care. He never cared about this country. He never has, he never will. He doesn't care about this country any more than he cares about Mongolia, Transylvania, Pittsburgh, the Suez Canal, or the North Pole. He simply doesn't care, okay? He doesn't care. Listen, hey, there are 200 countries in the world now. Do these people honestly think that God is sitting around picking out his favorites? Why would he do that? Why would God have a favorite country? And why would it be America out of all the countries? Because we have the most money? Because he likes our national anthem? Maybe it's because he heard we have 18 delicious flavors of classic rice-a-roni. It's delusional thinking, it's delusional thinking, and Americans are not alone with these sort of delusions. Military cemeteries around the world are packed with brainwashed, dead soldiers who were convinced God was on their side. America prays for God to destroy our enemies. Our enemies pray for God to destroy us. Somebody's gonna be disappointed. <laughs> Somebody's wasting their fucking time. Could it be everyone? Now, now. Okay, George Carlin there. Time to get out of here and make uh, make way for my buddy Scott Scotto and Flat Black Plastic. Please stay tuned. Willie Dixon. And when you think about Various nations of Earth. Bye, everybody. Hope you have a good week and good work. This is the B. 
if one if <clears throat> one person gets a dollar they didn't work for another person worked for a dollar they didn't get the various religions you don't have a seat at the table the negotiating the various table nationalities the various people on the menu all over the world never but never let anyone into we your heart we have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do have a good week. Have created miracles. But it don't make sense. And when we came in everything. You know you know you made everything else. Good week. Wise men, great men. From every nation in the world, all the countries in the world. Have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies, great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy 
Bob? You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to Tim'sTesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com at mutinyradio.fm it's a great place to listen to crazy things Unfortunately, the only weird part is because they're 
so many comedy shows at this station. We're actually under the free comedy section. Black Classic, mutinyradio.fm. 